Hello everyone and welcome to the late, late, late edition of Check Your Six. This is the podcast where I update you on key matches or fun matches that happen each week in the Collegiate Rainbow Six League. We'll talk about interesting statistics or where we are moving towards the playoff season now that we are there and some teams have already been eliminated. First, we'll stick to our recaps from week seven. This was a crazy week and a crazy setup for the league to run, coordinating across all these schools' as spring breaks and making sure teams had adequate time to prepare for their matches, as well as coordinate while people are heading home or just not available. So this was a, quite a challenge, and that's what it leads to this podcast being a little bit later than we would like. One of the matches I called out, which is from Lion Group 2, was between British Columbia and Washington State. Now, Washington State had an opportunity to make a, take a win and start tying British Columbia for points in Lion Group 2. But it didn't pan out that way. Washington dropped the game, and British Columbia pulls ahead to the top of the Lion Group 2 with 19 points and Washington stays all the way down in fifth place with 13 points. That's a huge, huge setback for that team as that now they have to secure two or one win. Otherwise, there's a possibility that South Dakota School of Mining and Technology can come out and knock them out of fifth place which would be a terrible way to get knocked out of the playoffs is in the last two weeks, especially with week nine being a player in it and not being able to not so much take a week off, but not being able to prepare for your opponents that you would see in the postseason. It's up to Washington if they can pull off two wins in a row to stave off SD MST. But you know what? Best part of all this the drama in week nine will conclude with a matchup between Washington State and South Dakota School of Mining and Technology. I can't think of a better way to set the stage for who's going to represent the group in fifth place than having a week nine showdown match. Moving over to Falcon Group 3, we had Oklahoma State playing Maryville. Now, what was interesting about this is that they were both tied for fifth place last week, and that this was going to be the thing that sets the table, see who's really going to pull ahead. Well, it's kind of hard to pull ahead when you keep tying. Now, while the tie keep these two neck and neck, and the round differential of only two between the two is crazy, and not where you want to be going into into week eight and week nine where it's going to be a statistic like round differential that could prevent you from going into the playoffs that is definitely not where you want to be and on top of that now they're both tied for sixth place which means they're both out at this point but arkansas tech is only two points ahead of them so one win and an arkansas tie or a loss for Arkansas Tech 
and Maryville or Oklahoma or both are back in it. And there's only two games left. We are getting down to the wire for who makes it and who has to watch the rest of the season from the bench. And actually, in reality, it's one game left for Oklahoma State because they've already played their week eight match and they lost to Auburn. So Maryville gets to go up against eighth place Abilene Christian to try and push away from Oklahoma State and start to pull into Arkansas Tech's lead. So we'll see how that goes. This is a close, close race. Down in Viper Group 3, UNC Charlotte against New Jersey Institute of Technology. UNC Charlotte takes the win and cements their role into third place, tacking on three points and five more round differential points in their favor. It puts them likely out of grasp of even being tied or beaten by round differential from Alabama. So that's good news for UNC Charlotte. Viper Group 3 is pretty well settled up, but we'll talk about that in a minute. The last match I called out last week was a cross-group match. This was Lion Group 1 Utah versus Falcon Group 1's Illinois State. This is another tie that brings both teams to the brink. Utah is one point behind fifth place Cal Poly Pomona and so right now Utah is out they have to figure out a way to win while Cal Poly Pomona has to be held in check if Utah wants any chance of making it I think it's a little too late for Utah with the minus eight round differential and Cal Poly Pomona just being in the positive and being just a couple points behind NYIT I don't know if Utah has what it takes to pull off enough of a convincing win or series of wins to pull into fifth place. And Illinois State, you really don't want to tie here because you're clinging on to a fifth place finish by a single point and you only have two round differential points over Sam Houston. So, Sam Houston, you bring your A game, and Illinois State crumbles under their pressure. You know what? You pull ahead, and it, the distance just gets bigger and bigger. Maybe not a worry in the world, but Sam Houston, you got to show up if you want it. Illinois State, don't let the pressure get to you. Following seven weeks of play we were left with three perfect teams in eagle group one's ohio state falcon group two's iowa state and viper group two's central florida now ohio state is going to be playing across groups against nyit in lion group one and that's a fourth place team versus the seven and oh 68 round differential points ohio state I think we know how this one's going to go. So I anticipate seeing at least a second team go perfect through eight weeks. That's right. There was one other team, Iowa State. They've already played their week eight matchup and they won. They played Missouri State, which being a seventh place team at 0-8. Yeah, it was kind of 
foreseeable that Iowa State was going to go into week eight unscathed and come out of it unscathed as well. Central Florida is playing fifth place Georgia, who has a round differential of minus 29. I think that this is another obvious outcome, unless there's team problems or roster problems about being in attendance. I think this one's pretty much in the bag for Central Florida. Matches to look out for in week eight. I only called out a few this week because next week is going to be a landfill worth of matches that are going to be important in terms of seeding into the regional playoffs or whether or not a team makes that cut of making it to fifth place or tying for fifth place in points and then just edging out in round differential. But week eight is where we're at. So what we're looking at is in line group one, UC Davis versus Northern Arizona. UC Davis has a three point lead and a 15 point round differential lead. Now this is the race for second place in line group one. I'm not saying it would be easy, but a convincing win by Northern Arizona this week to reduce that round differential lead and then another one next week. And that puts UC Davis firmly within the crosshairs to be able to take them down to number three. It's a tall task to ask, but this is what it comes down to. That final sprint, that last leg, and it's not just a single match, it's back-to-back -back matches where you have to be able to be consistent and win decisively. Dropping down to Falcon Group 1, where we have a tie for third place between Angelo State and Ferris State. These are two top performer teams, and I don't think we'll see a closer or more well-coordinated match this week. There is a round differential difference of one between these two, and Angelo State was one of our early contenders for going undefeated. Now, as I say that about not seeing a closer or more well-coordinated match this week, I have to take a second and consider this next matchup because it might be even closer. It's spooky at how close this is going to be. We have from Falcon Group 2, Colorado Mines and Michigan State. Now, Colorado Mines has a one-point lead with a three wins, two tie to Michigan State's three wins and one tie. This is a one point difference there, but the round differential is identical at 16. I think I might've spoken too soon. This might be the closest mirror match and well-coordinated event that really defines who is going to have that better seed. This is, this is the moment. I feel like in Falcon Group 2, this is the moment that decides who makes it and who really doesn't. Because right now, 6th, 7th, and 8th, they're out of the picture. Can't even qualify. But this is about pride. This is about making that statement win of saying, we belong at number 2. We belong at number 1. We belong 
higher than our opponents. This is where teams make their stand. Week 9 will be important, but a match like this where there's no gaps, there's no room for error, this is where we're going to see teams who can handle the pressure. Now, you heard me talk a lot about it. We are getting ready for division and national playoffs. Now, we haven't talked about it since the beginning of the season, but here's a brief overview of what the structure's been like for the league, and here's the picture of how we're going to get into the playoffs. There are four divisions, Falcon, Lion, Eagle, Viper each with three groups, group one, group two, group three. There were eight teams per group. After week nine's competition, the team with the most points or the team with the most points and the higher round differential statistic, they will automatically qualify for national playoffs and they do not have to play in the division playoffs. Second, third, and fourth place from all of the groups will get a slot and then one fifth place team from the division will also get a spot into the division playoffs this is where we're going to see our first opportunity of cross group but in the same division matchups so this is where we're going to start seeing if there is a significant pattern of location-based dominance will we see the east or the west the north or the south really pull ahead in terms of collective power this is where we're going to be proving that i believe in the division playoffs team two of group one will play group two's team number four or fourth place and it'll be second place versus fourth place across group two to group three and then group three to group one third places will play each other and the fifth place wild card who comes out of it so this is tight after that the top five teams will be advancing to the national playoffs so then that means the winners of those one matches are then sent to the national playoffs so that means after a one match series, the top five, the ones who pull out the win, go to the national playoffs. After division playoffs, we will have 24 teams competing for national playoffs, and it'll break down into, into 12 games and that playoff bracket will be nuts considering we have three teams that are near perfect at this point and have shown complete dominance and if things go the way they do they will be seeing them in those late rounds in the playoffs so we should see some extremely tight rainbow six being played and then we'll see some kind of crazy stuff come out a little early because these teams are going to be hungry they're going to be desperate and they're going to want to keep going as much as they can. So look for those non-meta strategies. Look for those weird one-off plays that then 
just catch their opponent off guard and make them hesitant to commit because they're going to be afraid. This is where the mental game really kicks in in the playoffs. As we work towards being in the playoffs, we already have three groups who are decided. Eagle Group 2, Falcon Group 2, and Viper Group 1. The top five are, have already been settled. Now, the order in which that top five pans out, too close to call. There are still moves that can be made, and I don't think we've seen any top five be solidified to a point where everyone goes, no, I think I'm good. I'll just stay right here. No, everyone is still hungry, and everyone still wants that better spot in the brackets going forward. And hey, if you can skip that one match series and just make it to nationals, you're darn right you want that. So everyone who's hungry and in second place, get on it because now's your chance to not have to perform an extra time and give your opponents more data or put one more thing to chance. Do you really want to go in losing two maps in a row or tying and having to play a third map and really putting it on the line and being exhausted and then having to coordinate that national playoffs match where everything is on the line? No, I don't think you want to start that process that early. Push it off as far as you can. Anyone who's not in first place right now, you got to push. Just got to do it. That's it for week seven's recap and a look into week eight as well as the playoffs. I am getting very excited about what kind of stories can come from this. So you don't have to worry about a thing because I've got your six and we are marching towards the playoffs and I cannot wait to see how this goes. First, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast, and if you could do me one more favor, and that is tell your friends and family about this podcast. I'm sure you know someone who can get value from this podcast, and I believe this podcast does provide value for understanding collegiate esports, perspective on esports in general, as well as game development. Now, one really cool feature about this podcast is that if you use the Anchor app, you will be able to record feedback and send it directly to me where I can incorporate it right into the podcast. If using the Anchor app is not quite your style, you can reach me on social media. That's Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, YouTube, Mixer, all under the name Warlock Recall. Thanks again for listening. I very much appreciate it. And I will catch you next time on The Summoning Hour.